In the tumultuous year of 94, every turn of the calendar page seemed to unleash a shocker. And welcome to Earbuds and Earworms. I'm Amy. And I'm Mitchell, your new best friend. <laughs> your new best friend? Yeah, I'm everybody's new best friend. Yes, you are. You're our best ear buddy now. Yay. Yay. Um, I do have to ask you a question. Lay it on me. Early on this week. You said that you were going to fist fight someone for the wrong feelings about Vince Gill. Yeah, it wasn't a particular person, but I was just listening to Vince Gill and appreciating Vince Gill, as I often do. And I was just like, if you don't like Vince Gill, I'll fist fight you. I mean, like, I get it that some people aren't into 90s country, and that's fine. But if if you take a moment and just listen to the musical elements of most Vince Gill songs... You'll see what you'll see what I mean. I mean, he's, he's an incredible musician. He's an incredible guitar player. He plays the shit out of the mandolin. He has one of the most angelic voices in all of music. Um, Mark Knopfler from the Dire Straits, who's regarded as being one of the best guitar players of all time, asked Vince Gill to join the Dire Straits at one point in time, mm. and he turned him down so that he could start a solo career, and that went sky high. So, wow. uh, the way he arranges vocal harmonies is also incredible. He he approaches them. A lot like a fiddle or like a steel guitar where notes bend. It's really cool. weird and like it's it's amazing to listen to. So this to. was a legit passion of yours. Oh, I, I could keep going about this deal. <laughs> so, I was just like, I saw that and I was like... I've got to maybe listen to some Vince Gill. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, country may not be your thing, but if you listen to the elements that I described, like his ear for vocal harmonies and whatever element of music you love, he's great at it. I promise. <laughs> okay. I, I, I would, I did wouldn't even doubt to, that he could rap. I'm sure he's did, got it in him. Did you have to fist fight anyone? I didn't. Not thank, yet. <laughs> thank goodness. Pretty much everybody agrees that the Vince Gill is uh, one of the greatest musicians of our, of our time. And so. anybody who doesn't agree is come uh, holler at me. You're going to get <laughs> fist fought is what's going to happen. <laughs> now, of course, this week's theme is 1994. It's a great theme. And if we're talking about 90s country, this is a good way to like slide on in. 94, did Vince Gill have anything come out? You know, I should have looked that up. Um, <laughs> he, he definitely did. I know early 90s is when a lot of his uh, solo stuff was coming out. So probably uh, When I Call Your Name, which is one of my favorite Vince Gill songs, probably came out. I would imagine around then, like somewhere in the perimeter of ninety. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of uh, out of school too too much. I, I listen back to this, and I always want to correct myself. I think <laughs> I was thinking about starting to call in at the voicemail at the end of, that we that we talk about at the end of the episodes, and just correct myself on the voicemail and just yell at myself. You know. Oh, <laughs> I still have to change the voicemail message. Oops. Whoops, a doodle. I know. But um, so of course this came from Craig, who said podcast idea song from the greatest year in music history, nineteen ninety four, and uh, uh, they stand he stands by it. Yeah, I would I would love to have read a little bit more of a, an explanation of why he thinks that. But if you just dig through Wikipedia and and look at what records came out, and even the the stuff that flies under the radar, the just indie music. Just tons and tons and tons of great stuff happened uh, and came out in 1994. Uh, tons of crazy stuff was going on in 1994. Yes. O.J. Simpson and like the Olymp the ice skating Olympics. Yeah, the Nancy Kerrigan yeah, thing, Nancy right? Nancy Kerrigan yep. and 
all of that jazz. Yeah, I think that's when Kurt Cobain committed suicide. I remember that was a big deal. Paula Jones uh, became a household name. <laughs> yeah, ton, just tons and tons of stuff. So it's definitely an incredible year for music and for for history. So. And for um, I was even listening to the news clip that I cut into the top of this, mm-hmm. and they said, "Oh, and this is the time for me tours." And I was like, "Hmm, hmm. bum bum bum." Yeah, a little bit of a, <laughs> a portent there. Yeah, foreshadowing. Yeah, so I like, uh, in doing research for this, I, I noticed that a lot of stuff came out in 1990 and 1991 as well which Craig that might be another great year to look at uh, tons and tons of stuff and uh, the way I was kind of describing it is that uh, you kind of get that transition from the 80s into the 90s where they're kind of taking the lessons that they learned from the 80s and all the different techniques of songwriting and stuff like that and start to do something a little new with it and then by the time you get to 1994 when tons of other great stuff comes out you know it's kind of the 90s coming into its own and showing you what it has to offer to be unique and uh, disco has officially been murdered right? yeah disco's <laughs> dead we're getting past hair metal and uh, we're doing well for ourselves we'd all survived the early <laughs> 90s <laughs> So, Mitchell, what'd you bring? I brought one of my favorite bands, Low. Uh, I think we're going to play the song Lazy. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough for two. So Low, uh, this was off of their very first record. It came out in 1994. It was called I Can Live in Hope or I Could Live in Hope. Uh, they came up around a bunch of punk bands and, you know, grunge was obviously getting pretty popular. Uh, heavy music was, like we said, kind of recovering from, <laughs> from hair metal. And so whenever you have all these bands, which we'll hear, you know, in the rest of the episode, all the, the sort of sound, it's sort of characteristic. All these bands are going harder and faster and more layered and that sort of thing. Below kind of went the opposite way. The most punk rock thing you can do, like if everybody else is, is playing harder and faster, they went slow and quiet. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this is a very, it's a very dark record, and it's got a couple more sunshiny parts. In fact, the very last song is their cover of You Are My Sunshine, complete with the second verse. It's very, also very depressing. So <laughs> Yes, it is, actually. Uh, it's, it's gorgeous, gorgeous music. Uh, very minimal. It's just guitars and uh, drums. It's a husband and wife, uh, Alan Sparhawk and Mimi Parker. Uh, he plays guitar. She plays a ride cymbal and a snare drum on this record. It's very, very minimal. No kick drum. I think occasionally she might use a floor tom to get an accent, but uh, I don't even think she does that for another record or two. Wow. Uh, really minimal, really amazing music. Uh, I, I I was hoping that someone else would love some low. I know Jason Holloman also listens to low, I believe. So <laughs> Of course he That's does. That's at least one other ear buddy I know is on board. <laughs> and... um. You know, it did give me those Twin Peaks vibes. Remember that, like, yeah, kind of like low, slow, atmospheric. Mm-hmm. Um, except for that one song, which is 
low and slow and atmospheric, but also terrible. It's like that. I'm, you know which one I'm, it is. I think the theme song to to yeah, Twin Peaks. A, as much as I as much as I love Twin Peaks <laughs> and I love all the atmospheric like score of the of the series itself, I I've never liked that theme song. Aww. But uh, Angelo Badalamente, I believe, is the guy who does mm-hmm. all the music. It's he's an incredible composer for sure. Yeah. And um, also, sickest burn ever, Sarah is lazy. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I, I read long, long ago when I was getting into low. Uh, I think Sarah is the singer's sister or like a cousin <laughs> or somebody. It's the sickest burn. Yeah, it's just like, he just calls her lazy. Just like, like straight up in the song. Like, hey, Sarah, you're lazy. Hey, you're lazy. Yeah, it's pretty mean. Yeah. Now, <laughs> you know, you were talking about low going the opposite of harder and faster. Mm-hmm. And Craig, love you. So I brought you No Doubt's Squeal. But I can't begin to tell you how that I feel about it. I can't keep secret. What squeal? I thought that I could trust you. What squeal? It's a deep one. Can you roll it by the dick of the dog? Who wrote it and said it? So Craig said specifically no ska, which, you know, I'm going to put ska in there because I yeah. love No Doubt. And this this was actually when they were actually ska before Tragic Kingdom. Exactly. Tragic Kingdom, I think they still have some trumpet things going on. But this one was like the breakup album. Mm-hmm. And um, I really liked it. Like the, the Stefani brother quit the band. And then that's when we get the lineup we have now. Uh, whenever I picked up bass in high school, if you recall, I do. I decided I wanted to play all the No Doubt music. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's incredible. It's yeah. a, it's, it's really good. Uh, you know, he said no sky, but this actually is some really good sky. It's before it got ruined by a bunch of like <laughs> pop punkers. You know, it was like toward the beginning of the third wave stuff, and uh, you know, incorporating a lot of influences in this particular song as mm-hmm. well. Like obviously the punk and reggae thing that Sky is known for, but. Yep. You also get like a swing and a soul feel from some of the uh, transitions and stuff. And as far as I'm concerned, this is even like after Gwen Stefani's pop career and everything, this is still, I think, the most ambitious thing she's oh. done vocally. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, she wasn't assisted by any computers on this one. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and she's her range is just all over the place. She does that like low sort of sultry thing, and then she goes into the higher thing that she's kind of known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love it. And I, I love that it sounds slightly ridiculous, but it's like super immersively enjoyable. Right. Because if you, I mean, if you're coming from it without knowing anything about music and where these sounds are coming from, it's just like joyous. Music. Yeah. Sky is the most joyous music <laughs> of all. Like it'll make you dance even if you don't like Sky. Like you'll find yourself bobbing your head after about 20 minutes of listening to some Sky music. I would say just, 20 seconds. Yeah. I mean, it just soaks into you after you get past your like scowling at Sky music. You know, after those 20 seconds, it just, just it soaks into your veins. It's so good. 
I see that you put in your notes less than Jake. Oh, yeah. And you gave like, me a burn CD that I still have that has all of your favorite ska bands on it with yeah. less than Jake on there. Yeah, I was, I was talking about how a lot of pop punkers came along and ruined ska, but <laughs> uh, I do love less than Jake and Mustard Plug, and I can name all those other great bands that are like right there in the middle. And less than Jake's career kind of went on a downward spiral yeah, after a particular kinda. album, but... Man, that early LTJ is my jam. <laughs> it was really good, and I just now remembered. I was like, wait, you did give me all that That's music. funny. I would, I'd be very curious what all's on there, but I could probably, I could to probably guess, to be honest. <laughs> now, of course, there were plenty of selections from our ear buddies about 1994, because apparently a lot of people have opinions on 1994 and what are the best songs in 94, but so much music came out. Now, Mike brought... Regulate featuring Nate Dogg by Warren G. I laid all them busters down, I let Mike explode. Now I'm switching my mind back into freak mode. If you won't skirt, sit back and observe. I just left a gang of over there on the curb. Now Nate got the freaks, and that's a known fact. Before I got jacked, I was on the same track. Back up, back up, cause it's on N-A-T-E-N-E, the woman to the G. Just like I thought they were in the same spot, in need of some desperate pain. But Nate Dogg and the G child were in need of something else. One of them names was sexy as hell. I said, ooh, I like your size. She said my chords broke down and just sing real nice. Would you let me ride? I got a car full of girls and it's going real swell. The next stop is the east side motel. He said... Thank you, Craig. Most of my teen years and early 20s were spent in the musical wasteland of the 1980s. I was in prison for the better part of the 90s, and my radio was one of the few things that kept me and my celly sane. In my mind, these 1994 songs will forever be associated with the arduous but rewarding process of getting my life right. Uh, I, I, I like that that's the description for this particular song too which is great i know now uh so in case you didn't know mike went to prison yeah i think you mentioned that to me he's um he's also known as the jail dude over on little red bandwagon the jail dude jail dude so this song it i had no idea this song came out in 1994 and it's such a good song oh yeah it's one of my like earliest memories of loving a hip-hop song having it stuck in my head definitely this one it, it like as soon as it came up i was like i don't know what this is and then i was like oh, wait oh, i yeah, actually sure. do know this song it's been one of my favorites for a long time and normally i would be like um Mike, I believe, submitted My Neck, My Back, if you know that song. <laughs> Definitely know the jam. Yeah, and so I was really grateful that I was not wandering into another My Neck, My Back right. song. Well, I mean, 1994 was a better time for, for hip-hop music, you know. <laughs> uh, the sample's Michael McDonald, in case you didn't know. It's, I had uh, no idea. It's an obscure Michael McDonald song. Um, uh, a little Easter egg, if you go online and search, uh, there was a web series called Yacht Rock, Yacht and, Rock, like and, as in I'm on a boat? Yeah, Yacht Rock. And so uh, they do an episode uh, that's basically about the creation of this song where they sample Michael McDonald, but uh, it's really good. You should go watch that. That's insane. Uh, I digress. <laughs> but yeah, the, the the sample that they take, the keys are so jazzy and groovy, and uh, this is the beginning of like the G-Funk era sort of stuff, which you know Dr. Dre started producing using a bunch of like old funk samples and just other random like yacht rock, just smooth jams. <laughs> 
that he could find, uh, and that's very uh, very interesting in juxtaposition to like a lot of the gangster rap that was happening at the time. Your yeah. NWA, your Public Enemy, and all that sort of stuff. I want to admit something. No, mm-hmm. we're not going to say what it actually meant, but NWA always thought meant New World Association. Right. Yeah. Sure. That's not what it means. That is not what it stands <laughs> for, and I think they make it pretty clear in a good number of their songs what it right. does stand for. But so. I would just see NWA. I'm like New World Association. Mm-hmm. What a fun take on New World Order. <laughs> also, uh, something about wrestling. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. But yeah, this this influenced a lot of like other hip hop that came to be. You know, your hypnotize and three six sort of stuff. Uh, they did a lot of the early three six and like hypnotize mind stuff is all a lot more chill, like music wise. But the lyrics are still really hard and about you know shooting motherfuckers and <laughs> taking their women. <laughs> it's not as chill as this song, right? Yeah. Now, Jacques, I believe it's Jacques. Yeah, Jacques. Jacques brought next year's Disco Inferno. not the disco inferno i was expecting and i was like wow i thought that was an ultimate but no this is a different disco inferno and it's like it it almost doesn't sound like it belongs in the 94 stuff it sounds super cutty cutting edge it's got like all these sounds that are musically um you're not expecting there's a lot going on so many layers and i feel like they could have like thrown this in with like the experimental stuff of like um seager rose yeah, it, it does have some of that sort of feel to it. I can totally see why you'd say that. Um, I appreciate Jacques sending this in. Jacques's one of my buddies that recently joined the group. Uh, <laughs> Go, and Jacques. He, he's got incredible taste in music, so he's he's one of the people definitely keep an eye out for anything he puts out. <laughs> um, but this is actually one of the only submissions that ended up making it to the show that I had not heard before You know, he submitted it, and I really like it. I believe uh, they were Englishmen, if I recall, oh. in my in my research. Um, I'll probably be calling the voicemail behind to cor- correct myself. Yeah, they maybe might be Swedish. Swedish. Either way, uh, yeah, very, very experimental sounding for 1994. Whenever I was listening to this, it had a strange, like, blooming quality, and I even, like, visualized, like, a time-lapse video of a flower blooming or something like that. Oh, my God, um, that perfectly suits that. Yeah, it's it's very, very pretty underneath all the noise, and, like, it sort of dares you to find that that beauty beneath the weird layers of of uh, abrasive noise that they put on top of it. Um, yeah. You can just kind of fall into this yeah, one, Yeah, and too. it's it's really gorgeous once you, like, you know, people who aren't used to noise music or experimental music, it's going to be very off-putting at, at first. But, like, if once you kind of get used to 
that as an as an atmospheric element of the music and mm-hmm. like really pay attention to what's going on underneath in this one this is a beautiful beautiful song yeah i, I really enjoyed it and i've never heard of it before in my life yeah, actually fun. most of these i hadn't heard of unfortunately so go 1994 Yay. bringing some some stuff under the radar now christy she has a whole list on the facebook group and you should just go down that whole list uh what we have right here is Sonic Youth's Bull in the Heather. Betting on the bull in the heather. actually said here are some of the albums that changed my life minus ska because craig is mean 1994 was the best year in music history hands down we should have done an all ska 1994 episode we really should have <laughs> really should that have would have amused me greatly. <laughs> and then put poor craig much to craig's chagrin yes he'd be so upset but I, I love that the um the vocals on this let alone are they like it's a female led song um she uses her vocals not just to be like pretty and you know kind of like what you would expect on this um it's super textural and there's Mm -hmm. like a roughness and gruffness to her voice that like really adds to the song and this is one of those things where like the actual math and counting of this must have been so hard to get right yeah yeah because if it doesn't align perfectly and i have terrible rhythm (laughs) (laughs) for a bass player yes i'm awful at it i was like if any of it didn't align perfectly it would be a wreck and so mushy sounding yeah a lot of sonic youth stuff is very visionary in that way uh, they influence pretty much everything I listen to, but despite all that, I've never really been huge into Sonic Youth. Um, you know, I recognize that they paved the way for a lot of stuff, pushed a lot of envelopes uh, with the noise and just making weird melodic stuff on top of abrasive music. Uh, I, so I appreciate that, but I don't know, for whatever reason, I just never got as huge into him as a lot of my friends Is do. Is it the female sexuality empowerment didn't necessarily speak to you not, personally? Definitely not that. Like, <laughs> I listen to so much music with, like, female singers and, you know, that sort of stuff. That's definitely a deep part of what I love about music, so I don't think it's that. Um, but I just, I do like this song a lot. It's very driving, and uh, it's a good example of the more accessible side of Sonic Youth, I think. Uh, yeah, it's very accessible. Yeah, it's not too bad. So I, I, maybe that's why I was able to listen to this one. <laughs> and like I said, I, I like weird experimental jams. Um, somebody will probably jump me in an alley for not liking Sonic Youth. But send me, send me your favorite Sonic Youth songs, and I promise I'll listen to them. I'd love to be super into them like everybody else. I just At feel him. like I missed the bus, you know? <laughs> oh, yes. I, that's usually how I feel about Sonic Youth, because I'm, I'm, like, familiar with, say, uh, 
the band and every single time I tried to get into them, it just was not the right time for me. Yeah, I, I remember was, listening to the album Daydream Nation and thought it was really great. I don't mm-hmm. know when it came out. I think it may have been before this record, but uh I mean obviously super inventive songwriting and, and creative playing and stuff. So uh, Sonic Youth, obviously an amazing band and super influential, but for whatever reason, I don't have much nice to say because I was just never huge into them. <laughs> but at least you're 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 coming at it openly. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. I mean, like obviously, every, everybody loves Sonic Youth as far as I mean, like music snobs. They're <laughs> one of the most influential and seminal bands in the world. So yeah, I must be missing something. No, don't worry. Somebody's <laughs> gonna fist fight you for cool, it. Cool, bring it on. <laughs> so Bruce brought Acid Bass Dope Fiend. song was so hard to find and this is the cleanest version of it i can find and i know that there's a record out there somewhere with mm-hmm. this on there but good luck finding that on the internet yeah apparently dax riggs must be who's the singer of uh of acid bath he must be very litigious because it's also not on spotify you can't find, find very many of their songs on youtube so whatever, uh, I love Acid Bath. They're one of my favorite bands from back in in the high school days. <laughs> uh, very infl- another very very influential band. Uh, uh, they came along with a lot of other Louisiana bands. Something about those like uh, Southern Louisiana, like right on the coast bands, are all really sludgy sounding. Like, like they're from the swamp. Yeah, exactly. Very very swampy and sludgy. Uh, but Acid Bath also had tons of like. Uh, faster, thrashier parts and stuff. Um, yeah, sh- it, it it goes like this really cool. Um, I don't know. It kind of threw me back to like the sounds that I remember hearing in say the early two thousands from mm-hmm. our like colleagues. I don't know people the same age as us. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and so um, you can see how influential they were on like a later generation of musicians. Yeah, pretty much. Even though new metal really doesn't sound a whole lot like anything Acid Bath did, Acid Bath. Influenced pretty much every new new metal band from the early two thousands. Your Corns and your Limp Biscuits <laughs> and all those dudes. Like they definitely listened to a lot of Acid Bath in their day. Uh, and if you listen close, you can kind of. And then like hardcore bands early, like oh definitely, you know metalcore mm-hmm. sort of early two thousands hardcore definitely influenced by some Acid Bath too. So because I found the la- like the live version of it, do you think it adds or takes away from it? Um. I mean, it's really, really good on the record, but if, if, uh, I would say go and find, just type in Dope Fiend Acid Bath on YouTube and watch the video that this is taken from, <laughs> and it'll probably give you the correct experience. Yes. About, uh, I mean, definitely maximize it on your YouTube screen. Yeah. You want to see what's going on. Yeah. Definitely. It's going to get outrageous. <laughs> now, um, Jason H., 
known as Holloman. Mm-hmm. He brought Rodan's, Rodan's, Rodan? Rodan. Rodan, the everyday world of bodies. continuing the joke of picking the longest songs on earth i've got to say the last song i believe when he was on it was like 23 minutes or something like that wow i know but there are a lot of dynamic like changes in this one you do go through a journey and um you know it starts like there's a lot of talking about the rain and so every single time they said the rain i was like the rain in spain falls mainly on the plains (laughs) And there's some harmonics in here, like oh, very yeah. deep in the song, and I'm just like, <gasps> yeah, harmonics. use of harmonics is one of my favorite uh, musical devices for sure. And it's you see a lot of that sort of years. stuff in this in this type of music, this like post hardcore, mm-hmm. um, the early early stages of post rock sort of stuff. Uh, I'm definitely I like this band a lot more than I like Sonic Youth. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, I don't know why I'm. <laughs> You're being I don't know mean why, to Sonic. Yeah, I don't even know why they don't deserve. Remember, that. Christy wanted to bring Ska. Yeah, but I don't know. but but Craig is mean. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, a lot of uh, there's a lot of other great bands around this time, like Slint, uh, Drive Like Jehu is a band that put out a great record in 1994 uh, called Yank Crime. It's very very good. <laughs> is it about uh, being a northerner? Could be. <laughs> I mean, you know, we live here in, in West Tennessee. We don't like him Yankees, I tell you what. Mm-mm. That's not true. No, we're fine with y'all. Yeah, it's, come on down. Come Nobody can tell, though. <laughs> we can't tell where anyone's from because Memphis is such a large city. Yeah. We Now, wait, our, our Madison County comes out a little bit. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but it's not Crockett County. <laughs> yeah. No hate on Crockett County. I'm just mean, saying maybe, y'all maybe guys a little are distinct. Bit. I mean, you got more <laughs> distinct obvious southern accent than we do <laughs> but yeah so so like a lot of those bands the slant and drive like jehu and rodan uh rodan didn't get as much attention i had heard of them and listened to them you know back in the day when i was getting into this sort of stuff but they don't really uh, get mentioned in a lot of the conversations that i have so i'm definitely glad to have them kind of refreshed in my mind a lot of those post-hardcore bands like them are starting to use like dynamics a lot more in their music so there's a lot of quiet parts alongside the heavier more aggressive parts like a lot of respect for how music can be structured and exactly. it's not just all hard and loud right yeah they're taking all the all the punk stuff that happened and they're kind of distilling it down into what can be done from there uh, a lot of angular riffs a lot of atmospheric stuff like the harmonics and mm-hmm. dissonant chords um so again that's that's another thing that you can kind of plant a plant a peg in for 1994 you see bands starting to do a lot more of that sort of stuff and it it becomes a lot more popular 
Um, I'm definitely glad that that Jason brought this song because yeah. I'm definitely going to go listen to a bunch of Rodan now. I might forgive him for giving me an 11 minute song to find like the best clip. Out it, of. it really does take you on a journey. So it was, you guys should definitely go and listen to this whole song. I'm yeah. I'm curious how you're going to edit it down. <laughs> I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> now Jeremy S brought Eggstone's The Dog. This monster's voice is loud and clear, but I can hear his supersonic gear. I catch a clock while in the air. Now I'm a dog, I shouldn't really care. You could be a star, but I'm dead, you Now, this is the Swedish band. You might be right. Next year might have been English. Yeah. Um, so I got somewhere lost in the story somehow. Like, I'm listening to the story, and then I got eased into the music and completely forgot that there were lyrics com- just totally. And it's kind of jaggedy around the edges, but it's like a comfortable song. Like, it's just comfortable to listen to. Yeah, I'm almost positive I've heard this song somewhere before. Um, Jeremy is another one of my buddies that recently joined the group, and... I'm looking forward to his submissions. He put a ton of other submissions on this particular thread. So many um, submissions. And, and the other two, I remember, was a band called Sugar. And the other band was called Moto something. There, Yeah, but there were so many songs. That Sugar so song hard, was so good. So hard to choose songs. And I know that Jeremy also shares my love of like poppy, catchy songs. And so this definitely has all the elements of that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, a lot of like descending, uh, descending chords that that sound really wistful and poppy, and tons of vocal harmonies. I believe there's a key change into the chorus. Uh, <laughs> See, I, I was just I lulled into the sense of like calm happiness. <laughs> like even with all that jaggedy noise going mm-hmm. on, kind of, I was just like, oh, this is a great song. And I got lulled, and I was like, oh, the song's over. What happened? <laughs> And I'm, I meant to look up the lyrics to the song before we recorded, but I didn't look look up the lyrics. I'm sure that there's a very interesting story being told about a dog. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, he saw a dog. He saw a dog, okay. Yeah, and then I got really chilled out. Gotcha. Yeah, as soon, <laughs> as, soon as I heard about puppers, I was, I was done for. Yeah. Now, Craig, the person who brought our theme. A great theme, my uh, name, Craig. Very good theme. Thank you so much, Craig. You suggested Toadie's Tyler.
And also, he posted it just a few minutes before we recorded. Nailed it. And he said, oh shit, I forgot to actually submit a song. <laughs> this is a kind of super creepy song. It's very, it, it does kind of have some creep to it, I think. It's super rapey. Yeah, just a tad. Again, I, I wasn't listening to the lyrics a whole, whole lot, but I know a lot of the Toadies' lyrical themes are actually a little creeper, if I recall. Yeah. yeah Possum Kingdom or whatever is a little... I think it might be off the same album or something. Yeah, I'm sure it is. But I know that according to somebody in the comments of YouTube, who knows if this is factual, it's actually about a stalker that was in Tyler, Texas. Hmm. And that was kind of like the basis of it. And well, if stuff. I've learned anything, it's trust people in the comment section of YouTube. I mean, they've got to speak the truth. Right. <laughs> right. You can't lie on the internet. Who would do that? Yeah. But. No, that sounds uh, pretty plausible. Yeah. Now, there was like a very familiar kind of riff going on. Yeah. Absolutely. Oddly familiar. Yeah. It sounds just like the Pixies, Where Is My Mind. Uh, exactly. Just sped like up. It. Sped up by about 10 beats per minute. That's. And then put a little smash of drum in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, they under pressured this. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Uh, it it has the sort of feel of some Pixies. I think I looked up that Where's My Mind came out in '88. So we're six years late. We're we're redefining the Pixies. Maybe that was intentional. You okay, know? so there's Pixies. They hang out in the woods, right? Right. Toads hang out in the woods. They also do hang out in the woods. You're right. Mm, so, so maybe that was the common thread. Could be. Mm -hmm. That's good. A good road to go down. Let's <laughs> let's pull out the red yarn once again. Let's get the picture started. Um, yeah, I, I missed them. They came to Memphis a couple years ago, and I didn't get to go. Uh, but a bunch of my friends went and said it was a great show. So apparently they're still playing and still was doing it their thing. Mindenwood? Minglewood, Minglewood, yeah. Minglewood Hall, yeah. You think I would know the... It's just right. Yeah. <laughs> so you think I'd know. Yeah, Toadies is one of those bands that kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people. They got Possum Kingdom on the radio, uh, which has some very interesting elements going on in it as well. Some like interesting time signature changes and stuff like that. Really subtle, but um, you know, music like that didn't really get played on the radio very much so it's kind of this outside of the you know grunge fringe sort of thing uh the vocalist from the toadies has a very distinct voice that you that you know whenever mm -hmm. he kind of digs in you're like oh it's that guy yeah that guy so, I kinda, he sounds familiar yeah <laughs> it was really a delight now we got some feedback on twitter we did yes from craig craig <laughs> this is like the most craig centric yeah. episode craig episode yeah so craig -isode. yeah the craig episode so he said, finally got to the E&D pod challenge and it's on like Donkey Kong. Can't wait. So Let's you, get, throw you can gauntlet. actually throw down and we're going to try to make an episode where you and Craig fight for who has the best musical taste. Yeah, we'll have to come up with some cool metrics for that. Um, I don't know. Maybe we should. I don't know. Could we each submit a song and have ear buddies vote on who has the better song. Like we could do four songs a piece or something like that. Mm -hmm. I and know. I we'll will be to... the person on the side going, mm, I don't know. I'm going to lean you this could, way. You could judge the whole thing yourself. I, I just want to get the ear buddies involved. If it's we're like, going to be convince Amy, who doesn't really have musical history knowledge sure. on which is the best song. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. We can go with different genres. Maybe. I don't know. Craig, you can uh, definitely contribute any sort of, uh, parameters for this to happen. Uh, yes. Ear buddies, if you have any ideas how you would like a, a throwdown between me and Craig to go down, uh, see who has the best taste in music. We have to, we have Everybody to do wins. it now that now that he's finally caught up on E and D Pot. Right. I think. Hey, it's Craig, I'm the new co-host. Did you hear about that? <laughs> Maybe he did. If he like went in order. Maybe. 
So if you want to get a hold of the show and be like Craig, you're going to tweet at ENDUPod or me at Madam Woolite, even though that's not technically the show Twitter. You can just tweet at me anyway. I don't know. Um, yeah. We could try to tweet at you. Yeah, Twitter's probably not the best way, <laughs> but uh, find me on Facebook. You can type in Mitchell Manley. Uh, it's facebook.com slash powigotcha, P-O-W-I-G-O-T-C-H-A. And on Instagram, at Smokebeard. Smokebeard, the easiest way. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can review the amazing assortment of 1994 songs that we got and contribute uh, at Earbuds and Earworms podcast group on Facebook. We have a voicemail line. It's 731-400-BUDS or... 731-400-2837. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about uh, I was I was telling Amy before we started recording that I think I want to, uh, <laughs> I, I want to call and correct myself. I that may have been on on the air. I'm not I sure. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I want to like call in and and basically sharpshoot yourself. Yeah, just be a drunk version of me yelling at myself and correcting all the things that I so like I later say wrong tonight. And, yeah, I might do that. <laughs> it's very possible. And I, I, I just listened to all the mistakes that I make. Um, for instance, last week mm-hmm. I said something about. Uh, Fugazi predating Minor Threat, but it is the other way around. Oh, okay. Minor Threat was first, and then Fugazi came. Hmm. So, yeah, you could, like, start sharpshooting yourself. Right. I I mispronounced Alicia Bagnano's name. Uh, It's (laughs) Italian, Bagnano, so uh, don't don't yell at me about that. I'm sure (laughs) that there was another one. I know I was going to yell at myself for saying for sure every every time you say something. I've never even noticed. Good. (laughs) But you can always email and uh, give us a count of how many times Mitchell says, Dude, for make sure. it a drinking game. <laughs> you will be sauced. <laughs> and you can email endpod at gmail.com. Um, yes. <laughs> I broke me. Amy. I broke Amy. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then the show can always be found at endpod.com, part of the 10710 network. It's also super searchable. So when I was going through all these 94 songs, because normally we're doing on themes where I know I haven't heard of it, but I was like, what songs have we definitely not had? Like what? And I was able to like easily search endpod.com. So if you have a favorite episode and you know what songs were on there, that's how you search. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And you brought the final song. Yay. I'm glad that I got to get a second one on here. <laughs> um, this isn't a song from 1994, but it's a song about 1994. Uh, the band is called Slut Ever. I can, I can. <laughs> You know what? I like this song. This yeah. title. Like, I love the band's title. Yeah, Slut Ever. I mean, yeah. whatever, Slut Ever. Slut Ever. Actually, um, I thought this was a play off of uh, somebody I follow on Instagram who's a stripper, and she's always like, well, Slut Ever. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this song, it's it's really slow and sludgy, uh, which kind of captures the whole burned out, disenfranchised counterculture thing that was uh, emerging around the time. And then towards the end, it gets really poppy and and uh, punky and catchy, which also kind of encapsulates an aesthetic that was important around that time period. And then lyrically, tons and tons of references to 1994. I'm looking at all of it. Yeah, they reference Nirvana, Courtney Love, plaid shirts, uh, Rivers Phoenix overdosing on heroin, talking about bleached roots, that movie Reality Bites. Uh, there's a reference to Audrey Horn from Twin Peaks. There's tons of other little references in this. I think it's like a four-minute song. Yeah, uh, really that's slow really and awesome. So uh, it definitely encapsulates why 1994 was such a seminal year for music and for culture. Um, again, Craig, great, great submission Good for our topic. Job, I, Craig. This was a very fun episode to, yep. to do. It's going to make the throwdown even harsher. Yeah, for sure.
I like pancakes.